0: What I would say is give yourself some quiet time away from everything, away from your computer, ideally like out in nature, away from your workstation, away from everyone. Give yourself some music, some distraction, a journal, close your eyes and imagine three years from now, you're running your business, right? What is it that you're doing in your business? What is your business doing for the world, for your clients, for the community, or whoever it is that you impact for your team, what is your business doing that lights you up and makes you excited to run that business?
1: Welcome to Marketing Unfiltered, where I ditch the highlight reel and share the unfiltered truth about how to get clients online. The good, the bad, and the OMG, thank God I'm not the only one. I'm Sophia Para. Let's dive in. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Marketing Unfiltered. Today's guest is Celia. And before I share a little more about what we covered in this conversation, as we talked about how to make your first million, you need to hear her story. She started her first business when she was 10 years old in order to pay for ballet classes. She worked her booty off and later became a professional dancer, a tango dancer in Argentina, she then moved to Argentina. Sure, I guess she should say she moved back to Argentina after her career as a professional dancer in her 20s to get a second degree in fashion design and then started a clothing label at 25, which grew to have global distribution. Somewhere in there, she also became homeless and she slept on the floor of her office. We talk a little bit about this inside of the episode. And in that time, she even got mugged. And while we didn't talk about her mugging on the episode, I learned in one of her posts that she actually chased down her mugger (laughs) and negotiated negotiated with him to at least give her her keys back because she had nowhere else to go. I'm so impressed with the fact that she went after her mugger and then was able to negotiate getting her keys back so she could get back, I think, get back into her office and sleep on the floor. I'm just the whole thing. I mean, that's like a badass. That's a badass right there. So I'm quite impressed with the story. Damn. And since then, she has gotten her master's in business and global marketing. She's helped tech startups raise and create content partnerships that were valued at $1.5 million in yearly recurring revenue. And today, she is a business coach who creates millionaires. She's also the creator of the Grown Ass Business Roadmap, which I freaking love that name to help you simplify your business and get the growth you deserve. Now, in this conversation, we talked about how to make your first million. We covered things like what are the biggest things that hold people back from becoming the type of business that can bring in a million dollars? Why is mindset so important to building a strong and successful business? We also broke the stages. Well, I guess I should say we broke the journey of becoming a millionaire down into three stages. So you could really see the journey that it takes, not just to make a million, but just to create a highly profitable business. So if you're not interested in making a million, that's okay. I think that these stages are still the stages that you're probably looking to move through. We also talked about creating a business vision and what that actually looks like. And I really loved when we got clear on what knowing your numbers actually means. So if it all sounds juicy... because it was. Celia, welcome to Marketing Unfiltered. I don't even know how you were going to share your story with us on how the heck you got to where you are today, but can you try? Because this is like incredible. Yeah,
0: I can try. I agree with you, Um, but I, I can definitely try. Well, I think that the part that hopefully resonates true for people is that a lot of times when you have an entrepreneurial bone in your body, it's it's a part of you. Yeah. You've always had it, right? Like I started my first business when I was 10 years old and it was actually a business because I was like, oh, I really want to take ballet. I was an immigrant. I'm from South America. Um, I didn't grow up with a lot or a lot of access to anything. And I was like, I really want to take ballet. And I can see that my single mom's not going to be able to afford that. So clearly my little figure out or fixer brain was like, I need money. How do I make money? I'll start a business. I wasn't like, I'll just do some babysitting gigs here and there. I was like, I'll start a business. I think that says a lot about me and my brain, right? But I did start a full-on babysitting business. I did pay for my first summer ballet camp. I started ballet late. So I worked my booty off. I became a professional dancer by the time I was a senior in high school, I was performing professionally. And then I went to um, a really great dance conservatory and I have a degree in modern dance and performed professionally with a few well-known companies. I also paid for my way through school. I paid for my first car because of that entrepreneurial spirit. So everything After that, I think is really based on this idea of, oh, I had a problem. I can fix it. I figured out a way to solve it. Why not do it again? And that's kind of how the story unfolds. I've kind of never looked back like it all the crazy, crazy stories and experiences and all the businesses I've been a part of and crazy stories like being a professional tango dancer and being homeless and like all the things. Now they all have a purpose. Yeah. Like, I love you that. Know, they all line they all they all help people. Right? Yeah. So oh, that's, that's kind of how the, the story makes sense. In my head. That's in really, my head, it makes
1: sense. Yeah, no, that's really amazing. I also have to say, I also studied modern dance back in the day. So I love hearing that that's part of your background. And I also have to know you, the, the fact that you were homeless for a little bit, or I don't know if it was a little bit, or I don't know the details on that. However, this is actually my biggest fear because in New York city, it never happened, but it so easily could have, you know, wrong, one wrong turn. It yeah. co- so easily could have. So I'm curious about the timing of, of you being homeless. Like ha- was that after you had started your yeah. business and you were just getting things set up? Was that before your business or when did that happen? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it it actually, of course it could be very real for a lot of people. So that's a great point. Um, for me, it has more to do with, and I think this is relevant to a lot of people. A lot of people have stories of bad business partnerships. And for me, it had to do with a bad business partnership. So, um, I had a clothing brand at the time and I was also teaching and performing with my partner with my romantic partner. And so I then moved my, my business into his home. He had a five story home in a neighborhood called San Telmo, which is a really old neighborhood in Buenos Aires where a lot of tourists go. And we actually ran this bed and breakfast together because I'm very systems. I've always been really good at systems and organizing and helping people. I moved in with him and naturally I became an unpaid partner in that business. So I worked seven days a week running the bed and breakfast. I had my clothing line and I also trained with him every single day. And we taught and we performed and traveled to teach and perform. Oh my gosh. Uh, Luckily at one point it was actually all too much to have all three businesses in that one house because I, I, I had my workshop and my workroom in that house as well. And I didn't like the guilt trips mm-hmm. that I was getting about how I was getting a free workshop space. And I was like, I, I don't know. I mean, I work my butt off and I run your bed and breakfast without any yeah. pay for that. So I don't know about free, but so luckily one day I was like, I'm going to rent a little studio near here. That's just for me and my assistant and like for, cause I made all the patterns. I made all the samples. I sewed up all the samples and a lot of the ma- pieces, me and my assistant, we sewed them ourselves. So we had like a little, and we had a seamstress who would come in and we'd have a little mini factory. So I, I rented a studio nearby and had an office and a little mini showroom. When that partnership fell apart, because a lot of business partnerships do mm-hmm. if you don't have clear contracts in place, which a lot of times we go into business with our best friends or with people that we have a relationship with and we don't bother to have things in writing about what's what and whose is what. When that relationship fell through, I literally was like, oh, I I have nowhere to go. I'd given up my apartment and my whole life and my independence to live in this house and run all three of my businesses out of this house. That was really, really dumb. Um, so I had this, I had a, I was at a crossroads, either stay in a really abusive relationship or walk out and be homeless. And I chose walk out. Um, and I slept on the marble floor of my little factory studio. (laughs) So I'm really glad that I had, that I had rented that little, like it wasn't an apartment. It was like a little factory type place. But I, I slept on the floor there for like two to three weeks until I figured out somebody who was renting a room that I could rent a room from. But you know, I had three businesses and then suddenly I was down to, one as well. So it changed my income drastically and my focus of, oh, this, now this one business has to be my sole, um, revenue and livelihood. And it was a beautiful, beautiful experience and a beautiful lesson. Yeah. Wow. And I think, you know, it doesn't matter who you go into partnership with. I think we should be very careful about business partnerships.
1: A hundred. I also have to give you so many kudos for having the two options. One's probably a little bit more comfortable, but you have to deal with an abusive relationship. And one's like, who the fuck knows what's going to happen if I go down this route? I just have to give like, wow. I think, you know, when we're older, I look back and I'm like, I can't believe
0: I did that. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm so crazy. That was so crazy. I literally had nowhere to go A lot of my client lead flow was from that relationship, right? Because I made tango and dance wear. I made clothing for dancers, whether they were training or performing. And a lot of it came from that world and those connections. So it was really kind of crazy. But I did see myself standing very, very clearly. For me, it was, oh, this moment. I had, you know, one of those like out of body experiences where you're like, this is a moment that defines you. Yep. Are you going to be okay with somebody who felt really comfortable admitting to your face that they cheated on you? Oh. And if you are like, if you make this work or you stay, you're making a decision yeah. to be okay with this. Are you going to be okay with that? And it was just like, everything in my body was like, get out, get out, get out. Don't think about it. Don't over plan it. Don't strategize like you do. Just get out. And I literally um, grabbed my purse and grabbed my laptop and left. Wow. You like left all my things. Like nothing, nothing. I was just like, I have to do this right now while I feel this way in my body. Yep. If not, I will start to backtrack. I will start to reason. I will start to make excuses. I will start to reason for him. I will, you know, like I will get, make comfortable of an uncomfortable situation. Yep. Cause that's what we do by the way is as humans, we get comfortable within the discomfort and that's why we actually don't grow. And I just in that moment was like, get out right now, walk out right now, grab your purse, walk out right now. And I'm really glad I did it in that moment because I don't know if I had thought about it too long, I don't think I would have.
1: Yeah, no, I, and I can also relate to that, get comfort in the discomfort. I had to write that down because I want to talk about that. Um, I see myself do that for sure. I see every, I see so many people do that. Um, But yeah, that's, that's amazing. I want to spill some tea with you because I feel like okay. you've you've learned so much in your journey so I want to share with people. So, everyone who's listening, we've actually completely revamped our spill the tea questions. We have all new questions and I and I don't know if you had a chance to look at them, but you're the first person answering these new questions. So, <laughs> amazing. <laughs> If you could go back in time and give newbie newbie selly business owner some kind of a warning, like don't do this thing or do start doing this thing earlier, what would that be?
0: Well, I'm going to say one, what was a pain point for me? I've heard some really great answers on your show to this one. Um, And I'm going to say what was a pain point for me. And that really made me suffer, which was I avoided looking at the numbers. Yes. That's a good one. I avoid it. So it's ironic. People think I'm like, I'm the data numbers girl that you go to. And I'm like, that to me is so comical because I avoided looking at the numbers, which is why I'm the perfect person to teach some of the things that I teach, right? And I help people with, but my whole first business, I really was running off of a belief that I'm bad at math. Mm -hmm. And so therefore I got really uncomfortable Having to just sit down and look at the numbers, and also it's uncomfortable. You don't want to see that maybe one of your products isn't profitable to yeah. sell at the current price you're selling, right? You don't want to look at that. So I just didn't look. Yeah, I can. And I know to my this. current clients would be like, "What?" Yeah, <laughs> because I really like make them look. Um, I make it fun and easy, but I didn't look, and I think that was what wore me down in my first business, because the truth is, it's actually understanding your numbers on a very, very basic level that helps you plot out when you can sell, when you need to sell, and when you can take downtime, right? Mm -hmm. Knowing your numbers, you can actually make a sales plan, you can plan out your year, you can make goals, you can, it actually makes it easier to hit goals when you have goals. And it actually lets you plan out your year ahead of time and say, okay, two times a year, I'm taking vacation. Yeah, Because I didn't look at my numbers and I was so afraid of them and I was so afraid of feeling dumb or seeing something horrific. I just didn't look. So what did I do instead? I tried to outrun and outwork the numbers. So I literally worked seven days a week for like nine years. Yeah, I can really I never... I never had a vacation. Guys, as entrepreneurs, the number way, number one way you can have a vacation is plot out your sales cycle. Have a goal, have a realistic goal, and line up the seasons where you're going to sell and the seasons where you're going to let yourself take it easy. That was the thing. I was so, so afraid of my belief that I was bad at math being true, that I just decided to stuff it down and just not look.
1: Yeah. And
0: this is the killer. It turns out I'm really good at math.
1: Yeah. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> yeah. You know, I actually, like brief realization I've had recently, all of the things that I used to be terrified of doing, and I'm still working on some things that I'm still terrified of doing, and I avoid like like the plague. But there's a lot of things in my business launching is one of them. I used to not ever launch. I used to not ever even... Like I I did everything in my power to avoid a launch and choose every other business model uh, that didn't require launching in the way that I was doing it. And because I was convinced I suck at launching, I I will always be disappointed in the launch numbers. This isn't worth it. This isn't good for my nervous system. Like whatever the excuse I said it because I didn't want to launch. I had never really tried to launch. So I don't know where this all came from, but that was what I definitely believed. And turns out... After I just forced myself to do it, I was so uncomfortable. I cried every single day. I just like hated the whole experience. Turns out I'm very good at launching. And now I, I help you right? <laughs> but now I help other people with their launch content and all the things that I used to hate doing and i've noticed that all of the things that i used to have imposter syndrome around or feel like i definitely suck at those things a lot of that is in my coaching now is part of like what i'm actually really fucking good at so it's really interesting i'm i'm seeing a a like a, a correlation between the things i avoid and assume i suck at to the things that actually if i turn to it for even 6 months and focus on it there's some strength there that i'm not even aware of until I actually give it a go. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I love that. And more often than not, that's the, the block. Yeah. Not strategy. Because business strategy is actually pretty simple. hmm It's pretty straightforward.
1: And I definitely have questions about mindset because I know that's a specialty of yours. And that's part of making your first million. You can't just do the strategy. You have to know the mindset and and really yeah. heal probably heal your mindset as well. <laughs> So I'm definitely going to ask you about that. Okay. Okay. Um, Okay. What's your favorite way to grow your email list? If there was one way you could grow your email list for the rest of the year, what would you turn to? Let's take a quick break from the episode to talk about how to make your chat GPT content not sound like everybody else's. If you're using chat GPT, but no matter what you do, it just kind of sounds like a robot wrote it or it's super vague and kind of giving you information you'd find in a blog written in 2017. It could be because you haven't clearly defined your message. Maybe you think you have, but perhaps it's not as strong as it should be or your personal point of view is missing from your message. It could also be a sign that you're relying on chat GPT to do too much of the heavy lifting. If this could sound right, This is for you. I'm going to walk you through some questions to help you define your message. And then I'm going to share 20 chat GPT prompts that offer a little shift that will help you guide chat GPT to effectively share your message. Now you won't sound like everybody else. Just go to go to coach.club forward slash chat GPT prompts, and I'll send it straight to your inbox. Again, that is go to coach.club forward slash chat GPT prompts. All right, let's get back to the show.
0: Um so I'm so impressed by people who come up with such amazing clever complex ways of doing this. Mm-hmm. I kind of love that I don't come from the online business space that I come from like you know making things with your hands business yeah. because it means that my approach sometimes to certain things is not the formulas that have been taught. So for me it's like what is the thing that's most available to you? What's the easiest, what's the lowest hanging fruit? Mm -hmm. For me, I created a a whole framework that I run my clients through. And that framework is based on the 10 pillars of business, the way I see it. And you get a score and it's a very, very, very intense um, for my clients. They have to do this business audit and they get a business score. But what I realized was like, oh, I already built this whole thing. I can make a baby version of it, make it a quiz and put that quiz out into the world. And the quiz is called the seven figure quiz. Is your business ready to skip, to grow to seven figures or not? And so people naturally want to know and people, I post it whenever I like speak as a guest speaker, speak on podcasts, whenever I teach, I speak at different, um, communities, I offer the quiz every once in a while. I post about it. When I post about it, people do it. It's a really great freebie. It's based on my thing. I already built a simplified kind of watered down version. So what I would say is use the thing. Don't, don't like Think about the formula somebody else is teaching you. A lot of times you already have something inside of you that you've already done, that you've already built, you've already made, and there's a way to offer it in the world in whatever space you like being most active in that people want to sign up for the thing and then they get into your, your nurture sequence. I grew my list to like 1500 people just from putting that quiz out on different, whenever I spoke, whenever I taught on different platforms, different social media, that's where I point people to.
1: Yeah. And you know what I love about, I love just asking that question. I feel like this could actually be a question you could ask at the beginning of almost every challenge you approach. Like what is the simplest way for me to approach this? What do I already have (laughs) that I could reformat or repurpose to achieve this goal? And what does that look like?
0: Yeah. And I think there's something so beautiful about that. We don't think about that enough.
1: No, we don't
0: ask ourselves that question enough. Because, this goes back to mindset, we think we don't know enough. Yeah. We think what we already bring to the table and who we already are and all the experiences that we've brought to this day aren't worth it. We think there's something, of course, we need to go take about list building. There's something we don't know. There's something we have to go do that's outside of ourselves rather than saying, what do I already know? What do I already do? What could I already offer that's super easy? People yeah. always ask me like, how did you build your quiz? And and how how did you do that? And who did you hire to do? it? And I was like, I did it myself over a weekend mm-hmm. because I'd already built a framework. So it was very easy for me to pull the key questions from each pillar. And, and I used a tool called Score App, which organizes all for you. Like I literally built it over a weekend, one and done, beautiful. Right. But it goes back to mindset of, we believe we're not enough. We believe we don't know enough. We believe that the answer is outside of ourselves. And so therefore we go and we taking all the courses and we start downloading all the lead magnets and trying to piecemeal our business from all the lead magnets that we've downloaded for free. Right. Rather than, I wonder what I have that people might be interested in.
1: Yeah. I love that lens of how to look at this. Um, if you were challenged to have one client or new client in the next five days, what would you do to find and convert that client?
0: Oh my God. I love this question so much because <laughs> I tell my clients this all the time. So, um, I would just text DM or call people directly because sales happen in conversations.
1: Oh my God. I say this all the time.
0: This is exactly what I would do too. Do not like my thing is like, yeah, don't need a website. You don't need a sales page. You don't need a funnel. You yeah. don't even need a content strategy. You just need someone's phone number to call. Like so, so yeah. I, I've intentionally gone and done this myself to to be kind of a brat and to prove to my clients that it can be done. Yeah,
1: and and okay, yeah. I I know there's people listening who are po- poking holes in this, right? They're saying like, well, like. I, I don't know any people who are looking for someone like me right now. Like I need, like, how am I going to find this person or or like, but my community isn't large enough for this kind of outreach. I have the people who are here have already decided yes or no, like whatever it might be. And I've said these things before in the past, what would you say to those people?
0: I would say, and I get that all the time too. So I have so many, (laughs) (laughs) I have so many answers for this, of course. Um, I would say you do have friends, family, colleagues, friends of friends. You do know people, and one of the first things that you can do is either directly talk to people about what you're up to. Because the truth is, most often than not, the people closest to you and closest to your circle don't actually know what you do. Oh my and god! Don't yes. actually know what your offers are. Yes. Number one, and number two, part two make a post and go hey world on facebook which is probably the easiest cuz that's where like all your former high school friends are and whatever hey world this is what i'm doing in the world this is what i'm offering in case you didn't know i do xyz do you know anybody that could use this kind of product tool offer coaching and if so just tag them below and i'll do the rest yeah It's really that straightforward. The reason we don't do it is because that makes us uncomfortable. Yeah. So we're going back to this thing of where I love to play, which is where strategy and mindset like come and rump up against each other. And then you start to like, there's this gray area of it. Like you bring me a strategy problem. I will show you how your mindset is the thing that's actually tripping you up. Yeah, because strategically, that's very easy. Go do that on Facebook. Go do that on LinkedIn. Go do that on your WhatsApp group chat group chats. Go do that on your text group chats. And come tell me you've got not one leaf from all of that. Yeah, right. But the thing is, putting yourself out there like that is really uncomfortable.
1: So uncomfortable, yeah. But but that really, like, I do find this the amount of excuses I hear. And hey, I get it. Like, I've I've had those excuses too. But as soon as like I was like, okay, you know what? I'm just gonna really commit to this and really commit to all that uncomfortable stuff and just see what happens. Just so that I can truly say that won't work for me because I have done it for six months straight (laughs) and I never got it or something like that. I need to actually prove it to myself and literally I did all that on, uncom- I mean, even launching, I, I, that's why I forced myself to launch what we were talking earlier. Cause I was like, I have to actually know that this doesn't work for me because I keep saying it doesn't, but how the fuck do I actually know? You know?
0: How do you know? Right. Yeah. Well, and that, so what we're now talking about is that thing we talked, we hinted at earlier that you were like, Ooh, I want to write that down. What we're talking about now is the, we're comfortable with the discomfort. Yeah. Cause here's the thing. The discomfort of having a business that isn't working and not having leads and not having sales is a comfort is a discomfort that we know and feel comfortable with. So, so the true. current, well, I don't know anyone. I don't have any leads. I don't have any sales. I can't launch because I don't even have an audience. That's my current discomfort. That feels uncomfortable, but it's a discomfort I know. Yeah. Stepping out beyond that of doing something very different and very audacious, like gasp posting on Facebook, so audacious. Yeah. (laughs) That's a discomfort I don't know. Yeah. And so that's why sometimes we choose this discomfort for the unknown because our brain registers the unknown as unsafe. And Mm. our brain is wired to keep us safe. So that's why, guys, just the thought of texting your family on a WhatsApp thread is so uncomfortable all that's happening right now is your body is going oh, no no that's unsafe that's unsafe that's unsafe unknown 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 red alerts red alerts i don't know what could happen right and and there's a lot of ways to work through that and that's really a mindset thing around one understanding how your body is registering and your brain is registering these things and two working on your self-worth enough to go it's totally okay if i post this you know in in this group chat or whatever i'm going to give you an example when I did this, when I did my beta round of my foundations program, so I have a, I have a foundations program called foundations of a grown ass business.
1: That's such And when a good I did name. the beta round,
0: <laughs> thank you. When I did the beta round to, to my people who are in my advanced program, I was like, challenge accepted, not no sales page, no landing page, no content strategy for it, no launch strategy for it. You can't even find it on my website. I'm launching this beta program. I didn't mention it once on social media. I just got into the DMs and talked to people about it. Yeah, and talked when I was networking or whatever. And I use this story. I texted my hairdresser about the program. So for all of you who are like, I can't do it. I don't know anybody. I didn't play that back. I texted my hairdresser and offered him. The beta round of this program. Why? Because he's a human that I know that runs a business. Every time we talk or get my hair cut, all we do is talk about his business and his business challenges, right? And I thought that he would appreciate and could use an invitation to this program. Yeah. And so I texted him from this place of, hey, I've built a much more affordable way of working with me. I've built this new program and I wanted to tell you about it because I think you could really appreciate these things that I'm going to teach you in this program. Okay. And then later when I saw him later, because my audience was so shocked that I did this, I even asked him later, I was like, was that awkward for you when I sent you a text and invited you into my program? Cause I want to make sure, cause my audience yeah. is like so in shock that I did this. And he was like, No, I was really thankful. I thought that was really thoughtful of you to think about me in that way. And that you, I didn't write it as a sales pitch. I was like, Hey, I just thought about you. We always seem to have conversations about your frustrations with your business and scaling your business. He is one of the best hairdressers in the world, in my opinion, honestly, and he undercharges and I'm grateful that he still undercharges to this day because it benefits (laughs) me. But I was like, let me help you. Um, and he was like, I was, I was touched that you thought of me and i didn't think it was awkward at all and i was like can i get that on recording cuz my clients don't <laughs> believe me yeah so the the actual strategy step of texting people and DMing people who've expressed interest or people in your comments or just former colleagues friends classmates what have you it's the the thought of the act is much harder to do than than doing it I and i also it. want to say this He didn't sign up for my program. So um, I'm also want to, this is very, very important and would be unfair for me to not share. He didn't sign up. Yeah. Okay. And I never got a clear no because he didn't feel comfortable saying no. I kept texting other people anyway. Yes. And I filled that first round of my program. My goal was 12 and I filled it with 22. Mm. And the thing is like, you don't, and don't stop at the no. Yeah. Because no is also just a part of the journey.
1: Yep. Yeah. Love that. Mic drop. When you're feeling nervous or anxious about something in your business, what do you do to get out of that funk?
0: Oh, um, well, you will appreciate this. I, believe it or not, this is my very strategic move, guys. <laughs> I get up. I put music on on that I really like. And I dance around like a crazy person. Yeah. That's like, that's basically I what I do too. Yeah. Oh, good. I was like, well, yeah. you're a dancer, so you'll appreciate it. <laughs> But But the, the reason I do that is because when things feel stuck and stagnant and frustrating and scary, that's actually my brain, my brain in, in hyperdrive. Mm-hmm. And I know that I need to this is what I teach. I need to deactivate those parts of my brain and the fear response of my brain. I need to deactivate the voices and I need to deactivate all the limiting beliefs and, and things and anxiety and stress kind of all comes from that. So I just need to deactivate it. So I, no matter what's going on, which is really hard for me to do because I'm an overworker, overachiever, overperformer. performer, yeah. as long as I don't have any calls, I will drop what I'm doing and go put on some music and dance around. Yeah. Um, and get in my body. And if I can't do that. If I can get in a workout that's like really hard, I'll have to do like a really hard workout that gets me out of my mind. Yep, um, Or like go outside and do something really vigorous because that gets me out of my mind.
1: Yeah. It really, it really, really works. That's exactly what I do too. But I often forget to do it. It's like, I forget I have this in my back pocket. I will just like sit in it. (laughs) I'll just be like, I'm
0: just stressed. Yeah. I mean, we all do that, right? We're like, we'll sit here and go, I must figure this out. I must solve this. I must, I'm a strategist. I can figure this out. I can over, I can like keep working through it. and, And now I just have this little voice on my head that I've put on. I've like put in a recorder. That's like, Oh, that's the red flag. When you start to feel yourself sitting, trying to figure it out, that's your flag to get up and move. So I make these like little markers for myself. Cause we all have different habits, right? We all have different go-tos. Mine is to like hunker down and overwork and overdo. So That's when I catch myself in that feeling or even how it starts to constrict my body, how I start to feel. I just go, oh, I know it's not. It's counterintuitive and I know it's not what you want to do right now, but get up and dance around. Yeah. Because it's not what I want to do in that moment. What I want to do is sit there and figure it out. Yep. Right? And solve the problem and strategize. So I have to have this little voice in my head goes, I know, I know it's not what you want. Yep. I know it doesn't make sense. Get up and dance anyway. And we have this whole like back and forth until I, I'm like, right, right. I'm going to do that.
1: Yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, such good answers. Oh my gosh. Thank you for going through our first, this version of spill the tea. You nailed it. <laughs> I love it. those was great. Those are great. I love this new version. Great questions. Oh, good. Good. It. Now I'm so excited for this, this segment of our conversation talking about, turning your business into a seven figure business. Um I also pulled, you know, this right out of your bio. You you help people make millionaires. Like that's what I pulled right out of your bio. I loved it because it was so crystal clear. Um so I'm so excited to talk about this and I'm curious, are there kind of like big mistakes you see people make? Um and or like big, you know, things that hold people back from making that first million? in their business?
0: Absolutely. I think that I think there are phases. There are phases to building a business and then growing a business and then scaling a business. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: In the early stages, you you should be focused on making money at first. Yeah. Right? So so if you're somebody who's overthinking and overthinking the launch or overthinking what's the product, you've already you're already your head's not in the right place. In the beginning, you want to just throw out their test, test the thing, iterate on it. Don't get offended if it works or doesn't work. Yeah. Like I see people put out a course for the first time. And if it didn't have, if it wasn't a huge success on the first time, they think they're a failure. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, welcome to business, right? So in the beginning, just test, iterate, figure out who your audience is. And there's ways to do this, of course, but make money, sell, market, sell. In the beginning, that's the focus. Show Your confidence comes from the evidence. So what you're doing in the beginning is not only making money to keep going, but you're also collecting evidence for your brain. You're collecting evidence that, oh, I can do this thing. Oh, this is the audience. Oh, this is the offer they like. Oh, and I can do this and I'm making money. So in the beginning, you need to be marketing, selling, marketing, selling, marketing, selling. And you need to be honing that those skills a little bit because you need to make a little bit of money, right? Yeah. Then what typically happens is, we if we've hit that, we get on a little bit of a hamster wheel mm-hmm. of like market, sell, deliver, market, sell, deliver, market, sell. and that's where people start to spin out in overwhelm and spin out and burnout because that's exhausting or overwhelm, and that's when I say. Well, now that whole saying of like, what got you here won't get you there. Well, that's so vague, right? We're like, I don't even, so let me like break it down. If you've made some money, you're either, you hit it on the head with marketing or product market fit or sales. Good job. Amazing. Now there's like six other pillars to look at. So the next level is start to open up, start to remove the blinders and look at the other areas of business that are going to unlock your next level of growth. Because yes, marketing and selling is important, but actually what's going to create growth and growth that doesn't exhaust you and scalable growth is strengthening those other areas of pillars as well. So Mm -hmm. having a clear numbers plan, really understanding your audience, understanding the voice of consumer, understanding your messaging and how to speak to them so it gets easier and easier and easier. Um, Having a sales pipeline and understanding how sales pipelines and CRMs really work having team support, right? So there's there's areas of business that you have to start expanding into. And what typically happens is we spin out in, in the same activities and go, oh, why isn't this? Yeah. Why am I not still growing? Like one of the things that you and I talked about that you found really intriguing was, for example, in the beginning, a lot of people don't sit down to write a business vision. And that's okay. That's totally okay. But at a certain point, you really need to write a clear business vision because it is going to guide you on what you focus on. So for example, in my program, week one, we write business visions and everybody gets surprised at how hard and frustrating it is. Um, and it's like, no, it's it's only hard and frustrating because you just haven't been thinking this way. You've been on the like, Work, 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 market, sell, deliver, hamster wheel. You've been overworking. And so you haven't stopped to think about, well, what is the dream business that I want to run? You've also been running your business based off of things you've learned from coaches, courses, programs. So you've been putting on other people's models onto you
1: yes. rather than
0: stopping and going, oh, wait, now I can, can I do that? Can I actually write a vision for like what I want and
1: what I see possible? And actually so I have, a, I have a question on that. If you don't mind me interrupting, this might be where you're going, mm-hmm. but I would love, cause like when you said have a vision, I'm trying to think about like what I, <laughs> the vision I crafted before would be so different from the vision I crafted now because I know more, right? Like I've experienced this right. more. I've experienced what I like and don't like. So kind of two questions. Um, what is included in this vision like what like is it based off of like how you you want your your dream life to look like and then my second question is do you adjust that vision like every year as you go along or like how does that part look
0: yeah so that's why i say it's totally okay if it's not the first thing you did and it's something yeah. you go back to because i do think it's really good to know what I like doing and don't like doing in my business, right? Because yeah. that, that defines you. So, um, and the way that I write business visions is based off of other people's work. So I can't take credit for this. Um, Cameron Harold wrote about this in the Vivid Vision, but he also learned it from someone else. But what I do is I write from this day forward, a three-year vision of what my business is going to look like, what it's already accomplished in three years. And what's included in that is um, some of the key things I think about are who is my audience? How am I impacting them? What's the difference that I'm making in the world through what products? What's the number? What's the number as in like, what's our revenue, right? What does that revenue allow us to do in the business and the world? what are the offers what does our marketing strategy look like and then what i really like to think about is like what does my client or audience say about me and my business what does the media say about me and my business like what and what is the greater impact my business is having on the world on my community on my audience i love that because it gets you to think a little bit beyond my content strategy for tomorrow yeah and my next launch. It gets me to think a little bit beyond where we typically think, which is what we're spinning in right now. So when we think three years ahead, so let me give you some examples of what this actually looks like. For example, just this last round of my program, I I help help everybody through the program. I give everyone feedback. So one person, I helped her write her vision, and she kind of came back to me and was like, oh my God, courses when i really sat down and did this visualization with you and we really and i really wrote out all the things i see my business doing for me in 3 years that lights me up and that i'm excited about i didn't mention courses anywhere mm. but i have been i have been like banging my head against the wall trying to figure out how to sell this course and trying to figure out why it's not selling but it turns out it's not a part of my bigger vision at all it doesn't light me up i'm only trying to sell this course because Someone told me I have to have a course. And I was like, amazing. There you go. That's why I, when I, that's what I mean about when I say things like there are no cookie cutter strategies that yeah. are for you because I don't think a course is for everyone. I don't think one-on-one is for everyone. Like, so this person realized just from finally writing down where she'd want her business to be in three years. It allowed her to make a decision about her current offers. It allowed her to make a decision about what she's currently paying attention to and where she's spending her time and energy and her focus. Yeah. Right. That has happened a lot. Another person who is an entrepreneur and, um, an influencer because she'd done this exercise. She found herself at a VC event with all these men. I was at this table with all these men and the VC was like, what do you see happening for your business in a few years? Like what's your end goal? Or if you have an extra strategy, what's your exit strategy? And she sat and watched all these men kind of fumble around this question and not know how to answer it. And when it got to her, she was like, oh, well, what I, what I'm doing is boom, 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 boom. And this is my goal. And this is how I impact my, my audience. And um, I would like to sell in such and such time done like three sentences. Now a business vision is longer than three sentences, by the way. I want to make that clear. It's several paragraphs of writing, but because she'd done the work and she was clear about what her business is now and what she's doing. She blew all these guys out of the water at this meeting because the VC was like, that's an exit plan. Like she knows who she is. She knows who she serves. She knows what she's doing. She knows what the end goal is. She's not talking in like ideas or theory about her business and like what they do. She wasn't stuck in talking about right now, what they do. She was clear about where they're going and who they're becoming. Yeah. And she came back and told me this. And I was like, yes, that's exactly right. That's why you made a vision. Right. Yeah. So I was like super proud. Um, but, it, but actually, so later on in the game, when you've had some experience, you've made some money, I do recommend, okay, now go back and write a vision because it will actually get you out of the spinning yeah. of what am I doing tomorrow? How am I getting these, how am I closing these next people? So it, it's, it's one of the ways that we change that whole, what got you here won't get you there. Mm. Okay. That's one of the things that we have to do. Another one of the things is like really getting comfortable with your numbers and having a sales plan. Mm-hmm. Another one is understanding a sales pipeline another one is beginning to automate your your marketing and understanding where your leads come from and so understanding where you need, get leads when you need leads so there's lots of little things that we can do sure. but to get you off the hamster wheel i i think that to the se- to seven figures is getting you off the hamster wheel and what what you'll find is everyone has different strengths so for everyone the thing that's going to be the tipping point for them will be different. Does that make sense? Totally. Because we all, like your strengths are probably very different than my strengths.
1: Yeah, no, totally. And sorry, my the phone's ringing. I hope someone's going to pick that up in a second. Can you hear the phone ringing? Is it ringing? <laughs> <Hello>? <laughs> no one's picking it up. Let's go. I'm just going to, okay, someone picked it up. Um, no, that makes so much sense. And I also love this idea of looking at your vision because I'm even thinking about one of my friends. We're very good friends. We talk about marketing a lot and it's interesting. We both work in the marketing space, but she only wants to focus on high ticket. And I don't, I like a combo of low ticket and high ticket. And so she was talking about the other day about how she's like, yeah, she's like, you don't even need an email list. Like, I don't know why, like anyone talks about that and this and that. And And then we had this honest conversation. I was like, well, you're where you're trying to go, right? You definitely don't need a massive email list, right? Because you're, you just need to work with like five, 10 people a year, essentially. I would like to work with a (laughs) thousand. So, you know, it's just like very different visions. And because we have different visions, we can actually make strategic decisions about what is worth our time and what is not worth our time. So I think that's important. Yes,
0: it's kind of like... Yes, it's like my story earlier of like I didn't know my numbers so I never took a vacation. Yeah. Well, when you don't know the vision, and you don't know what you're building, then it's very hard to figure out what what strategy is the right strategy for me. Yeah. Well, right? Like it like that's I see that a lot like people are spinning and like, well which which coach should I work for? With, work with? Which program should I take? Which course should I take? Well, you don't know because you're not clear on what it is exactly that you're trying to build. But I promise you, when you get clear on what you're trying to build, then all those decisions start to fall in line.
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah. I love this. So I don't even know if this is possible, but like if we were, and as loosely as, I mean, everyone, I know that like, it's, this is not a cookie cutter thing. So everyone's going to be different and really people should probably be working with you to understand what their growth plan looks like. But if we were to like, mm-hmm. put this into like broad stroke stages, almost, it sounds like yeah. stage one is really about like, just like make some money and sell some stuff, like actually just like put some stuff out there and see what works and, and get money in the bank, right? So that you can focus on phase two, which is probably going to be getting out of that hamster wheel because that is going to create a hamster wheel of you just doing the same shit again and again and again. So phase two, it sounds like is about getting those systems in place that kind of, um, and correct me at any point if I'm wrong, but it almost like takes you out of the business a little bit instead of so that you start working on the business instead of only in the business. It's like phase one, you kind of work in it.
0: Yes. I would say in phase two, (laughs) you haven't totally, you haven't removed yourself from the business. So phase two is where I start working with people. What I say in phase two is that what you're what you need to do is start getting honest about the areas you're not good at and not active in. Because there's probably gold gems, like there's probably like gold sitting in those spots. Yeah. So phase two is figuring out what are those things I really avoid. Like you did, you did this intuitively. You're like, oh my God, I will never know if I suck at launching if I don't really try. Yes. So you figured it out and you did it and you're like, turns out I'm not bad at launching. Well, what you actually did was you knocked down a pillar of phase two. Mm-hmm. You got comfortable with the discomfort. You did it and you learned a, a skill. So that's what I teach people to do is like, let's look at all these key pillars right? Profitable offers, your offer suite. Like now you've made some money, you've tested things, you've done things. Now let's start to look at your business like a business. So phase two in an ideal world is you start to look at your business like a business, which means you stop avoiding certain things. Okay. Phase three is then systematizing, automating things, being able to repeat things over and over again and get leads from the same audience or same places, start to build systems, start to get some team support, start to remove yourself. But I think that that what I've noticed is when people skip phase two, even if they manage to grow, when I coach clients who are a little bit bigger, like already at seven figures, the thing that ends up unlocking next level for them is going way back to those foundations and, having, and fixing something that they managed to get away with not doing for a long time. Yes. And it's always shocks me. Like it always surprises me, but so far it's always been the case. So, but I agree with you that you could definitely break it down into phases. And that's kind of how I do it even because I like to give people a sense of where they're at on their journey. Cause I think there's a lot of just coaching for the sake of coaching going on right now. Um, And I think that it helps us to know where we're at.
1: Yeah. If we have an
0: understanding of where we're at in the journey, I think it helps.
1: Yeah. I really love looking at it this way. And I can relate. I feel like I am, if I were to look at this myself, I feel like oh, I'm doing a lot of this work, the systematizing, automating, uh, getting team support for certain things that I just want to take myself out of because I've been struggling through it for years. And it's like, why? <laughs> like this needs to end eventually. Um, I'm definitely haven't removed myself yet, of course, but like, that's what I'm hoping to kind of do better at. But I just, I relate so much to what you just said, where I have also been in this, in this phase of phase three, been looking back at phase one and two and being like, I really need to clean that thing up. I kind of skipped that part or I did like a dodgy job and then I was like, eh, that's fine. It's not fine anymore. So now I need to go back and clean stuff up. Yeah. There's
0: always a point there's always a point in your growth where it's actually not fine anymore. And I know yeah. that sounds boring, but I promise it's really sexy. There is nothing sexier than feeling confident yeah. in your mm-hmm. business and how it works and understanding where everything is and understanding how things work and understanding how to get things to work for you mm-hmm. rather than you having to work them. Yeah, There's I know like going back and filling in gaps doesn't sound sexy, but there is nothing sexier than a business that actually starts to work for you.
1: Yes. So yeah,
0: you're doing the right thing. Yeah. By even looking back in that way and thinking about it that way, you're in the right spot.
1: Yeah. Okay. I love this. And I also like, I want people for, okay. I have so many things for us to wrap up, like where I want to point people. (laughs) I want people to take your quiz. So we're, I'm going to point them to you to that in a second, but I also kind of want to give people a homework assignment because I feel like even if they're not trying to get to seven figures, even if they're just trying to get to multiple six figures, like these steps are so important, what everyone really needs to be looking at. And I oh, yeah. I, I, feel like if we were to give people listening a homework assignment to take the next step, it sounds like crafting that vision is really what the next step would be for most of us. Do you agree with that?
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think... It always surprises me. It also depends on what, what. when I run the, this group program, different people have different aha moments at different times, but it always fascinates me that the vision work sounds easy and sounds like soft skills, but it's yeah. the place where when people actually do it and have it written, they're like, oh my God, yeah. this tells me so much about what I'm doing. So absolutely. And, I, and if you're going to ask me how to do it, What I would say, if you don't feel like reading The Vivid Vision or working with me, what I would say is give yourself some quiet time away from everything, away from your computer, ideally like out in nature, away from your workstation, away from everyone. Give yourself some music, some distraction, a journal, close your eyes, and imagine three years from now, you're running your business, right? Right? What is it that you're doing in your business? What is your business doing for the world, for your clients, for the community, for whoever it is that you impact, for your team? What is your business doing that lights you up and makes you excited to run that business? Mm. Like imagine three years from now, it's already done. It's already happened, right? You wake up one day to go to work, even if that's down the hallway in your brand new office or whatever it is. Right. And what does running your business look like in this dream scenario three years from now?
1: Yeah. Mm, That's beautiful. I love that. I also want to ask you another question about this because I, I, as you were talking, Mm -hmm. I heard, I could hear my audience asking this question. So I was like, I have to ask her. So, um, after they audit, I'm sorry, after they give themselves a vision or they craft their vision, you've mentioned a couple of times about knowing your numbers. And I suddenly heard someone's voice Mm -hmm. in my head being like, oh yeah, like my following numbers. I know that's not the numbers you're talking about. So I want to get crystal clear with people, like what what numbers do we need to be looking at? So
0: when I say know your numbers, I, let's start from the, I like to work my way backwards. So For example, if you have a goal, know what your financial goal is. Is it 200K a year? Okay, let's say it's 200K a year. Awesome number, by the way. Solid, solid, solid business. We don't have to be at seven figures to be happy, by the way. Um, So knowing my numbers is how many of my products do I need to sell over the course of a year to hit my 200K revenue goal. So if I have two offers or three offers, notice I'm not going above three, please notice. If I have three offers max, what are they priced at? Write this down on paper, you can do this on paper, right? What are they priced at? And how many do I need to sell of each throughout the year to hit 200? That's how you start to make a sales plan. Yeah. So let's say it's like 50 of this, 40 of these, 10 of these. Oh, I'm already at 200. And then you start to break down that 50, 40, 10 into the year. Okay, I'm only going to do... So now I realize I only need to launch my group program twice a year and I only need to sell that, right? And you start to look at it visually on a calendar for yeah. you creatives, lay out how many times a year you're going to sell these pieces that's what i mean by know your numbers because now when you've broken it down this way and i and i teach people how to do this in my program obviously but when you've broken it down this way now you see it in front of you and you're like oh it's no longer this imaginary overwhelming i'm oh like god i just need to sell to sell and i need to i always need more and i need more money and i need more clients it's like oh no i actually only need to sell that product 50 times throughout the whole year. Now that suddenly became more doable because it's not even 10 a month. It's not even five a month, right? So when you start to look at your numbers in that way, you start to realize what you actually need to do to get to the goal. Yeah. Does that make sense?
1: It makes so much sense. And I love it because it just, now you actually, kind of what we were talking about earlier, it actually helps you know what actions are worth your time, what actions are not worth your time right now, what's a priority. Like it just it kind
0: of sets everything. Uh, Yes, when my clients are like spinning out on anything, I'm like, well let's go back to your numbers plan on your dashboard. A
1: hundred because we
0: decided we decided that you were only gonna sell this and this and this this many times but now you're talking to me about possibly doing a retreat with a friend because she really wants you to do this retreat, but now you have to like put your energy there and, and it's going to like, okay, but it's not in your plan. Yeah. So are we having a little case of the shiny object syndrome?
1: Yeah. Or
0: is this new thing that you're tempted by or want to do or believe you need to do for whatever reason, is it social pressure, social media pressure, some course or guru coach or some pressure that you're getting from somewhere else or friend pressure? Or is it really truly a part of your vision and a part of your numbers plan? Now making decisions gets easier because when you have these pieces in place, you can start making decisions from the plan. And when you ask me like, okay, Sally, what are the phases of growth? For me, what I see happen to people in in phase two, but really in phase three where you're in is if you don't have a system for making decisions, Mm. growth gets hard. Yeah. Because sure. you are like, I don't know what to do next. I don't know what I'm supposed to be focusing on right now. Yeah. Am I supposed to be building out systems or am I supposed to be launching again or am I supposed, right? So the whole, the challenge of growth is actually how do I make the right decisions so what do I need to have in place? What do I need to be looking at to support me in making decisions for my business? Because growing your business is just a series of decisions.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I freaking love this. I could talk to you for so many, so much longer. Um, <laughs> tell us, like, where can we take this quiz? I feel like everyone needs to take this quiz. But then also, where oh. can we work with you? Like, tell us all the things about being in your world. <laughs>
0: Um, well, you can follow me. The place where I have fun is Instagram, as we already covered. Uh, you can follow me at I am Don Celia, D-O-N-C-E-L-I-A. And in my link and bio you can, is the quiz. You can find the quiz there. That's the easiest place to take it. Or go to my website, grownassbusiness.com. The quiz is also at the bottom of the page. So very easy to find the quiz in several places. Um, and it will kind of tell you which pillars you're strong in and which pillars you need to look at. So that's what it does is it kind of tells you what you need to look at next and what you might want to think about. And yeah, probably finding me on on the socials or on my website and booking a call is the easiest way to talk to me. We're having a launch, speaking of launching, uh, in September of my next round of Foundations to a Grown-Ass Business where we actually put all these pieces in place that we've been talking about. So, yeah, you can oh go to my, my
1: website. Amazing. I'm also going to put all these links that she just mentioned inside of the show notes. And I'm super embarrassed by how I pronounced your name because I actually – my dad's actually Mexican. So, like, like I speak – I mean, I don't speak Spanish well. But I, I speak – I can't speak well enough where I should have pronounced your name better and I just didn't. <laughs> Although now I feel like I'm you- – putting- <laughs> Now I feel like I but still do well.
0: well. you get a title pass because you're in the UK and everyone in the UK calls me Celia, which I find so interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I saw they, the every, spelling. UK,
0: I always want really to call me Celia and I'm like, okay.
1: <laughs> sure. But that's and like, okay. that's, that spelling. I know I have a friend who goes by Celia or Sally, right? So it was like, I was just kind of going by the way she pronounced it. And I, now I'm like, oh shoot, I should have asked <laughs> Oh, it's fine. My goodness. But I'm honestly... Life is hard enough. You
0: don't need to worry about that.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm honestly so grateful for you taking the time. This is so juicy. I've taken... Look, I've taken notes. Look at this. Taken so many notes. I know. I love
0: this. I I was like, oh, she's in on... She is taking notes, people. (laughs) I'm telling you. I saw her do it. It's true. (laughs)
1: And I just, I'm just so grateful to share you with the community today because I just think this is such important information. And I just love the idea of really helping people to create a vision they can actually execute on. So thank you so much for taking some time with us today. I'm so appreciative of you. And I really hope everyone goes to find you on your corner of the internet because, you know, you're a badass and I'm just so grateful to know you.
0: Oh, thank you! I am
1: such a well—you
0: know this—but I am such a fan of yours. I'm honored to get to be on your show, so thank you so much. Oh my this god, this is really fun, and I get to—I get to geek out about my favorite things.
1: So, thank you. <laughs> oh my god, I'm like blushing. I love that you listen to the show.
0: <laughs> I listen to the show. I think you're amazing at content. I—I I love your pinned posts. Are genius. Oh. Thank yeah. you. Your te- your texting strategy, which we didn't even talk about, but I need to learn. I think that's my next channel actually, because I think uh, that is brilliant the way you do that. So yeah, I'm a total, I'm a total fan.
1: Oh my gosh. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Give yourself a pat on the back because you made it to the end, which means you gave yourself and your business some time today. If you found this episode helpful, I want you to know your support is what makes it possible for us to keep making it. So it would make my day if you gave us a five-star rating and review. I also want to make sure this podcast actually answers your marketing questions like for real, for real. So if you're a coach and you've got a marketing question that's keeping you stuck, just DM it to me over at Sophia Para on Instagram. Or if you're in the United States, you can text it to my personal number at 917-810-2418. That way I can share resources or create a future episode just for you. See you on the next one.